here's the thing about Shaq's Wikipedia page. Again, he's a basketball player, <laughs> not an actor, so it's a lot harder to find. It's fourth because he does have a cameo in Good Burger. Oh, I it forgot goes about that. Blue chips. I think just just a quick. I just don't want us to blow back, blow past to the part where you said, uh, "Here's the thing about Shaq's Wikipedia page." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, also, should we introduce the podcast? Well, oh yeah! Hi, uh, my name is Nicole, and I am Fesh, and this is Real, Real Big, Big Fix. Fix. This is a podcast where we take bad movies and rewrite them into better movies. And today's movie is, of course, it's a movie that everybody's been clamoring for. Nobody can get it off their minds. It is 1997's Steel, starring one Mr. Shaquille O'Neal. Because what a 1997 Shaquille O'Neal had, as an actor at least. Because he was in Good Burger and Steel in the same year. Wow, what a career. Living the dream. Love cameo in Good Good Burger that I actually don't remember. It's followed up with Steel. Blue Chips in 1994, where he played Neon Badeau, is the character's name. Pretty good name. And Kazam was 1996. Yeah, titular role as the rapping genie. Better in Kazam than he was in this. Yes, absolutely. And then I, I just watched Freddy Got Fingered not too long ago. Apparently, he has he's himself in that as well, and I just missed it, which is crazy. That movie is. Nuts, and to think Shaquille O'Neal signed off to be. I can't get a read on Shaquille O'Neal. Is he? What's his deal? Is he's he cool, chill. He's okay. cool and self-aware, but I don't know if in 1996 he was cool and self-aware. He may have sort of grown into himself. Yeah. But now, if you watch like Inside the NBA, he's one of the hosts of Inside the NBA. He's very yeah. self-aware and fun and smart. Because I, yeah, okay. So he was. He's 48 now, which is shocking to me. Yeah. I think because you know we are what would be considered 90s kids, right? We're, we're millennials. So I feel yeah. to, to, to that this generation is kind of like, he's he's always been, right? He, he's he's a de- just always he's been a, a presence in my life, yeah. Yeah, he's a demigod. He's, 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 he was passed down, and we've just always had him. So does he, that mean he was 35 in this movie? No. Am this I off by a decade? 23 years, so he was 25. Okay, yeah, so he yeah. was 25. Which, God damn it, <laughs> we blew it. We weren't yeah. <laughs> starring in a movie, The Caliber of Steel, four and five years ago. And we also weren't in the NBA. This is a movie podcast. We're, I'm talking movies. I, if you want to start a basketball podcast, I'm sure you can get Marshall <laughs> Stratton off the bench down to Zoom or something. But we're talking we're talking movies. Because that's the thing. is I That's how I know this man. Through video games and movies. Sure. Not through basketball. I obviously, as my great tweet, my ironic tweet... From several months ago, we'll let you know. I know that he can't shoot free throws. That's a thing I know about Shaq. Yeah. And I think that I learned that through a Taco Bell commercial. And uh, they reference that in this movie. That is like the the peak of this movie. Like that's the whole movie hinges on John Henry Irons hitting a de facto free throw, which I genuinely don't know if I love or hate or not. Well, let's talk about let's talk about this movie and then we can figure out if it is something we love or hate. So the first thing that we should say is this so this is based on a comic book. This is based on, on a comic book called Steel. I yeah. intended to do some research into the comic book before this podcast and did not do it. Sure. So I, I only know very roughly what Steel's deal is. Mm-hmm. But based on what I learned about Steel from what I looked up during the movie, this movie should have ruled. <laughs> The comic yes. book seems very cool. Of course. Okay, so I was talking about Shaq as an as an idea because I'm setting up tracks here. Because I'll admit, I don't have too strong of a take on how to fix this. I am going to lean on you a little bit with that, okay. but I'm here to gab. <laughs> but the tracks I want to set up are the state of things, which is, and I know we're living in 2020, but superhero movies 
weren't are, are so different than they were in 1997 yes in in my considerations for how to fix this movie i also was like hmm, should we fix it in 2020 or should we try to fix it in 1997 i i'm leaning towards 1997 but again i'm gonna let you do your pitch okay. however you want to do it but the, the, these are just some crazy things to think about is that there has not been a theatrical marvel movie by this point none of them? <laughs> like i mean i know that no. like iron man and like the the age of marvel the big ones but yeah there there wasn't like an original like Green Hornet or anything? Hulk had been a TV series. Spider-Man had a very bad failed TV series. A lot of cartoon TV series. Uh-huh. Uh, and they were shitty, I believe. I could be wrong. They could be theatrical, but they're certainly not big studio ones. There's a Captain America and a Punisher movie that are just god-awful. Yeah. And there's a Fantastic Four movie that was made simply so the rights can be retained. And it's like <laughs> one of those like slightly above pornography and quality right. movies. <laughs> that was in the mid-90s as well. But in terms of things like Batman from 1989, which is like a capital S superhero, capital M movie, uh-huh. you had that, you had the Superman movies, you had Supergirl, I think, at this point. But this was just an era where it's like, we're not here to talk about comic books. We're here to sell tickets to movies. And what are the things people know? Batman and Superman. Yeah. Okay, but then wouldn't the next logical step be like, you know, Green Lantern and Wonder Woman? No, we're going with Supergirl and Steel. Yeah. <laughs> Like, so Steel is DC. Yes. Okay. So yeah, the first I think Blade is maybe later this year or the next year, which is the first Marvel movie. This is also a time where come we're coming off the time of again, Batman was a huge success. It was like the number one all-time all grosser when it came out, or at least opening weekend. And how they followed it up, they're like, oh, kids like comic book movies. Let's do Dick Tracy. <laughs> let's do <laughs> The Phantom. Let, you know, let's uh, do Barb Wire. Like, it, they didn't understand. It's like, yes, they like comic book movies, but they like the superheroes in comic book movies. My main, uh, my main frame of reference for that Dick Tracy movie is, do you remember that on, I think... The Disney Channel, the Lawrence Brothers had a TV show. It's uh, It was ABC, but yeah, Brotherly Love, yeah. Interesting. I think maybe it was syndicated on Disney Channel. Um, yeah, probably. But I remember watching those episodes, and there was one episode where Joey Lawrence buys a yellow Dick Tracy hat, and everybody throughout the episode is just dunking on him for how stupid the hat looks and how bad the movie yeah. was. And I had never seen or heard of the movie sure. at that point. <laughs> gotcha. But I was like, well, I guess this is a thing we all hate. It was definitely a, a, a not, it didn't leave, live up to expectations, but I did watch it recently and it is fascinating. Here is a larger theory about movies or art uh, in general that I've been really cooking on lately that's weirdly based off of uh, an idea, a mod sketch I saw a while ago. I forget. I think James the Third was in it, but it, it was about when serial was, was happening. It was like a jury talking about a separate issue. They were like, hey, here's a murder uh, thing, mm-hmm. uh, trial. And James's whole deal was, I think he's guilty now. But in 20 years, am I going to think that? Interesting. Like, uh, you know, that was the joke. And I, I, the thing about art is... Wait, that was Dick uh, Tracy or this is hold on. the mod sketch? That was the mod sketch. Okay. And I'm tying that theory of, I think he's guilty now, but in 20 years, am I going to think that? Got to it. perceiving art, which is you watch Dick Tracy when it comes out in 1990 and you feel this way. You revisit it in 2020, and you're never. Go- it's not gonna feel the same. You might like it less. You might like it roughly the same, but you're still gonna have a different point of view from it. Uh-huh. Even removing nostalgia from it, it's just what do we make art for? The moment or to stay on the test of time? That's basically what it's coming down to. Mm-hmm. Because the things that there are plenty of things that feel great in the moment, and then you watch two years later, and you're like, oh boy. 
Uh-huh. And then there are some things that were widely derided at the time that go on to be considered masterpieces and maybe only grow with time. And steel is one of those masterpieces. <laughs> to somebody, sure. But like, I don't know. Again, Guardians of the Galaxy was like such a big deal at the time. And I loved it. I saw. I, I think that's the movie I saw in theaters the most. But then I go back and watch it today and I'm like, you know, I still like this, but it is. N- we treated this way too high at mm-hmm. the time. That's the, the state of things. And then the opposite can ring true, when a lot, obviously, with a lot of cult classics being a, a genre in general. And just the concept of something being ahead of its time, I guess, is ultimately what I'm talking about. But mm-hmm. ahead of its time, to me, always feels like things catch up and change t- to fit it. Like, it, it should have come later, and it would have been more well-received. But there still are these curios out there where it's like, oh, sh- that shit's still not... Nothing has been as good as this thing yet. Yeah. And it was that thing was treated poorly. And who knows if that will if we'll ever reach the point as a society where we do value that piece of art. I don't know. Yeah. It's a big, bigger thing than what we normally do on here. But uh, it's interesting to see when we do we consider an opinion valid or not. It's mm-hmm. a, basically the argument: of Do you live in the moment or not? Too. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, this podcast is going to hit on those issues because we only can talk. We 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 jump back bef- between modern movies and old movies. What I said on the Sonic episode was if I could see a world where that movie would be a cult classic, whereas instead I think if it didn't happen in 2020 where it's the only movie they ever released, <laughs> uh, I think it would have been forgotten entirely. Yeah. Like yeah. if COVID didn't happen by this time, we will have forgotten Sonic the Hedgehog happened. Whereas Howard the Duck will live on forever. Sure. Um, for the wrong reasons, but still, nonetheless. Anyway, that was a long rambling thing. You tried to get us back on topic with Steel 10 minutes ago, and I just <laughs> rode right past it. But Dick Tracy is interesting. That was also a long way to say, I don't know, Dick Tracy was pretty interesting. <laughs> and without any of the politics around it. Because it's the other thing. Sorry, I'll, I'll wrap this up soon. But like Dick Tracy uh, stars Madonna and uh, the guy from Ishtar who isn't the uh, Rain Man. <laughs> and, uh, they started uh, oh, dating. Warren like Beatty. Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty is Dick date... Tracy? Is he Dick Tracy? He's Dick Tracy, yeah. Wow, I had no idea. I and, truly, and... literally everything I know about that movie is from sure. that episode of <laughs> <laughs> the Lawrence uh, Brothers TV show. But like, and you can speak to the Hollywood machine, whether or not it's real, but the idea that Madonna and Warren Beatty were dating as a way to like eh, go see, like they were putting so many of their chips on Dick Tracy and that's why it feels like it's mm-hmm. a thing that we dunk on. We talked about this in Ishtar. Ishtar was a big thing people dunked on. We watch it now and we go, oh, it's pretty okay. Yeah. Like... Because we don't have the current events or the politics or the climate, we can judge it as an actual piece. So that's like a thing that's also been because we're recording this, uh, what, July 10th, something like that. Uh, So Hamilton was just released on Disney Plus on the 3rd, the day before the 4th of July. I had not seen Hamilton in the theater. I watched about half of it on Disney Plus and then I got distracted and I never went back and watched the rest of it. But people were arguing on Twitter about it, about whether it was good or bad. And what it comes down to is there's two contexts context in which Hamilton was released. The first one was when it re- was released as a Broadway show, was very mm. innovative, was incredibly entertaining, uh, kind of did something that that no other show at the time or maybe ever was really doing. And it was a, a story that was, it was all people of color and it was a white person's story, but they only cast people of color in it. And it was informed by hip hop and R&B. And it was very unique and incredible. And there's a reason that it's as good and as as widely regarded as it is. And then now Mm -hmm. it's on Disney Plus and people are dunking on it. And the big reason that now people are dunking on it is because whatever it 
however it existed on Broadway, it was released on Disney Plus, one, to get Disney Plus more subscribers, right. and two, as a piece of propaganda on the day before the right. 4th of July. So anybody right. walking into that performance is going to have a very different context and reaction to it than the people who saw it on Broadway. Also, there is the the element of like now people who are like really into hip hop and R&B are criticizing uh-huh. the rapping right. and the composition of the songs, which is fair, but it also is like, it is still in the context of Broadway. It's not like School of Rock has really good rock songs. Right. Like it is their Broadway renditions of popular rock songs. So it's yeah. like, I mean, we're all hitting say, on... context is important. It's, the medium is the message mixed with don't let the medium <laughs> be the only thing that is the message. Like it's, because also even removing politics or the climate from it, just the notion of I don't live in New York City and I haven't been able to visit there. I, ha- I The touring company didn't come to my place. This is the only way I can see it. So the anticipation for that person yeah. specifically is so built up and it can live up to it, but it, pro- it might not. Like I think personally, as somebody not who something... had not seen Hamilton, I was yeah. and who is one of the worst things about me is my knee jerk reaction to anything popular is like, mm, then I don't want to watch it if everybody else likes it. Yeah. And so I did kind of begrudgingly go into Hamilton sure. and I admittedly only watched the first half because life gets in the way. But what mm-hmm. I saw, I was incredibly impressed and surprised by. And I was like, cool. it, it was that classic Nicole thing of like, just watch the good thing and like right. it, asshole. Right. Um, but all that said, being said, talking about context kind of brings me to a fix that I, I had thought of for Steel. Um, before we get into this, <laughs> I want to. Yeah. I want to preface this by saying that like Steel is a character who is very much a black American superhero. And yes. you know, I haven't read his full like I haven't read the full synopsis of the comic books and certainly not the comic books. Sure. Themselves, but even from what I've seen in the movie, like he's based on the character of John Henry, who is right. He is, you know, uh, I hate the to black American. He is, the black, he is yeah. the black Paul Bunyan, you know, and like he's so quintessentially black and a lot of the fixes that i have are about race in america today and i do want to point out we're two white people two white people who are also speak for yourself (laughs) i'm I'm also a white person uh, (laughs) i just wanted to be able to speak for myself there that's all uh, you weren't wrong i just wanted to speak i don't know if the microphone picked this up but when i said we're two white people trying to talk about race my dog went (sighs) (laughs) I, I'm not saying that it's like it's problematic or we shouldn't be doing this. Just that, like, sure. it, it it'll be a little bit ham-fisted simply because yeah. of the circumstances and the context. Again, More the medium is the message. Metal, yeah. Yes, but I will say that for us, while we are goofballs who would love to throw out some specifics or go on an apatow like run, we also structure folks, right? We're gonna. T- mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm gonna sit here and 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 uh, you know talk about specific uh you know jim crow laws or anything like that because that's not that i don't think i'm fully equipped for that but i can talk about i can say if that's what we're gonna do let's shift it to have it happen at this point in the movie (laughs) for more of an emotional payoff rather than um criticize the actual thing i hate to derail our our wonderful conversation about race in america and this movie in particular but my just Uh on my watch saw that i got a text from my dad uh, uh-huh. I got a bunch of mail sent to the house because I'm like between apartments right now. So I was like, just send my okay. like residuals payments and stuff to my parents' house. Mm-hmm. So I all of my checks are at my parents' house right now. And I got a text from my mom that said, dad took the stamp off of one of your checks because he liked it. <laughs> God bless. 
<laughs> do we know? Well, okay. Ask which one it is so we can know by the end of this episode what the Great, stamp I'll was that your dad liked. Anyway, <laughs> what I was getting at is, uh, again, structure. I'm not going to speak to the specifics of how to make a, 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 a black narrative stronger sure. or more Afrocentric or anything like that, but just terms of emotional payoffs through story structure, I think, could, is what could use some work. Or just shifting the focus towards those things. Again, if I'm not going to cho- pick and choose what those things are necessarily, but I, yeah. I, I can give notes on that. Um, sure. So so I'm going to jump in with my first fix. If mm-hmm. Well, I guess just like for the listeners, a little background on the movie. Steele is uh, his his regular human name is John Henry. Uh, he was John in, Henry Irons. John Henry Irons. Excuse me. John Henry Irons. And he was in the army where he and his partner, a very petite white lady, uh, were uh, like inventors who made weapons. They were weapons designers and manufacturers who made new weapons for the military. And specifically, Shaq's goal was to make weapons that wouldn't actually hurt people. They were not deadly. So it was like a lot of supersonic weapons that would stun them, that kind of stuff, because he is a nice, good person. Um, <laughs> yeah. But who is also a weapons manufacturer, but we'll ignore that for now. Well, if, if the reason we don't like weapons manufacturing is because it kills people, right? So sure. if there's a way to, to accomplish both goals. It makes us happy and gets the weapons dealers happy. Uh, you know, uh, there, it's, a, it's, it's a sticky situation. Did you get the response? I did. Um, <laughs> what was the stamp? It is a... Can I describe it to our listeners? Hold on. Yes. Uh, oh, my goodness. It is a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. <laughs> and behind that is a Microsoft wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> of just like when a PlayStation 3 is turned on, it's just like a blue <laughs> background and like a weird sonic wave in the middle. Uh, how old is your father? He said he was born in 1962. He is, he's 69. He was born in 51. 51? He, no, he's yeah, sixty nine. I love that he has been on Earth for this long, and uh, during all of this, he can receive his daughter's mail, look at a stamp, and go, "Hey, I like that." Not just I have an opinion on it, but I like it enough to take it off. Is he gonna get it framed? I don't know. Oh my goodness! Well, there you have it. It's a beautiful stamp. Is that you said that's your residual checks? Yeah, I get so I get the my weekly salary for writing, and then when the shows yeah. rerun, I get paid every time the show reruns. So gotcha. I honest, I get the we had a bunch of shows canceled this year because of because uh-huh. of COVID. We're not yeah. shooting. We're only shooting four shows a week, not five shows a week, which uh-huh. means I'm actually making more money this year because my weekly cool. rate is the same. But I get paid for Ooh. more reruns. Hey, it's a little look behind the curtain, ladies and gentlemen. Very cool. Well, uh, whoever's sending out the uh, residual checks for the writing staff of Late Night or Late or Late Show, Late Show. Yeah, the Late Show. Good choice in stamps. Shouts <laughs> to, to you. So uh, okay, so Shaq is in. I guess if it was the '90s, probably Kuwait is my guess. That was like '92. He's in the Middle East somewhere, we- manufacturing weapons that don't kill people. Judd Nelson is also in this movie. He is the antagonist. He's yeah. he he likes powerful weapons, and so they're demoing a new weapon. Yeah, and he cranks the weapon too high, and Shaq's like, "Don't do it! Don't turn the weapon all the way up." <laughs> it hasn't been tested at these frequencies, but Judd Nelson loves big weapons, so he does it anyway and blasts the weapon, and it somehow does not hurt him, but it does paralyze John Henry Irons's partner, the tiny white woman. Yes. It's. I mean, I couldn't. Could not tell Susan you. Susan Sparks, name. of course. Susan of course. Sparks. How can Susan we forget Sparks? sparks. Irons and sparks, sparks. Come on. Throughout the movie, 
and so so that's all preamble. Now they're they're back in South Central Los Angeles, which is where John Henry Irons is from. Which already is like cool. Here's a bunch of coded things for you right now, folks. Like it yeah. is the nineties. This is yes. where we're placing this. And that is a choice being made. Yes. And basically Judd Nelson's character has been dishonorably discharged from the military for this incident, and he goes into like illicit weapons distribution to gangs using like these powerful weapons that John Henry Irons invented. But a perverted version of them, because yes, a perverted, still very deadly version, lethal, right? And yes. then when uh, John Henry Irons realizes that these weapons are on the street, he and Sparks team up again and basically turn him into a superhero with the help of Shaft, whose character's Shaft. name I also forgot. Uncle. Yes. Joe, of course. Uncle Joe. And they basically, they turn him into essentially Batman, like a like a Compton Batman who is trying well, to take the weapons off the street. Yes, and again, I promise not to get too far into backstory and, and, and lore and shit like that, but this is a descendant of Sup- Superman. Oh, right, of Man Superman's of Steel. He even, has a, yes. he even ha- has a tattoo that says Man of Steel, right? That's Shaq. Shaq has a Superman tattoo on his arm, and they added the words Man of Steel. Do you think that's why they cast him? I mean, I think it's one of the... You know, I, I know you're not a huge Weird Al Yankovic fan. It was fan, the but there icing are some, on the cake. <laughs> yeah, there are some Weird Al parodies that are so perfect that you just think, well, there has to be a higher power. Like, uh-huh. these things line up this perfectly that the presidents of the United States of America would release a band called Lump the year that Forrest Gump comes out. Like, Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's something going on here. And I think Shaq's existence... And the idea that a steel project would be in in the pipeline are just one of those situations. It could also be a thing where I don't know. Again, I don't know much about how his his world outside of movies and TV. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is some sort of blank check that Shaq is cashing. <laughs> like if he this is yeah. he's such a fanboy that this is the character he wanted to play. This is and, also uh, when did Space Jam come out? Ninety six. So I wonder. I wonder if this was like Michael Jackson got a big movie deal and they Jordan. were like, let's <laughs> Jesus Christ, Michael Jordan got a big film deal. Yeah. And then they were like, let's also put Shaq in a movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I'm really bad at studio stuff. But yeah, this is Warner I mean, Brothers the, because the DC that, like, and Looney Tunes. Yeah. Production timelines go like they might be completely unrelated, but that sure. is a, a possibility. But it's still under the same umbrella because Looney Tunes and, and DC superheroes are owned by the same people and they must have some working relationship with the NBA if they can do sure uh, Space Jam, you know. So. Yeah. So so with all of that being said, my first fix and and, you mm. know, the uh, the silver lining of nothing really changing in regards to race in this country is that mm-hmm. this fix can apply to present day or to sure. just years after Rodney King is I mm-hmm. think instead of like what we're seeing right now in America is a consciousness, a broad consciousness for the first time of the overreaches of policing and specifically the militarization of the police. So I would propose Mm -hmm. now, again, I don't know what the comic books say. This is now me just pitching a movie based on the movie I saw. But I would say that now, instead of Shaq trying to like fight the gangs, I think now South central LA needs a superhero to stand up to the militarized police who would have gotten Mm -hmm. the weapons that John Henry Mm -hmm. Irons made from the military anyway. And I think that is a much stronger antagonist than like kind of Judd Nelson and then also his weird boss who's also a jukebox well, dealer. <laughs> sure. Uh, first of all, it gave me goosebumps. That ge- I'm excited about this movie. I genuinely, <laughs> I love it. But let me, I, I think that it still is, does live in a little bit of two worlds in the sense of Ang Lee's Hulk that came out in 2003, Which, I who believe. Who played the Hulk in like that? Was that Edward Norton? Eric Bana. Got it. Bruce Banner, Eric Banna. I world. mean, come on. <laughs> 
can't make this stuff up. <laughs> but you know, that's like a weird art film, or by from by the standards of popcorn summer blockbusters, and it was rejected uh, hugely mm-hmm. because uh, we were used to Spider-Man landing in front of American flags as Nickelback played. You know, right. that's what we wanted at the time. So the only nitpicking I'm going to do regards to this pitch are I in 1997. That is quite <laughs> a a shock to the system yeah. that is still not even fully formed yet in terms of like a national that. I'm not saying yeah. yes I'm not saying no I just think the tweak that they again it's all our podcast so we can do whatever we want I just think this needs to be brought up first is I think the tweak they would need to have in 1997 about it is Judd Nelson is a corrupt cop and it's all about corrupt whatever and I know that we are living in a but different time but we are time fixing the 1997 version real quick if yes. we did update to 2020 who do you think would play Steel today yeah. Shaquille O'Neal still <laughs> Well, here's the thing is Luke Cage is a not re- they're very different, but from the outside perspective, uh, it, it, in Marvel, the, he, he's a black man who is his skin is bulletproof. Mm-hmm. And so Netflix made a series of him not too long ago. And there was a lot of Black Lives Matter stuff involved in that uh-huh. in the sense that like, you know, he he was wearing a hoodie as his like Superman co- a superhero costume sure. and stuff like that. Like. So th- they're th- like, I know you just asked about an actor, but yeah, <laughs> like, it, 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 uh, this is a thing that can that can and should exist now. And I'm sure the comic books now are, are, are doing it. I've kind of stepped out of it. But in terms of an actor, uh, yeah, I, I um, uh, the, the, whenever people were casting for Luke Cage, it was always thrown around. It's the guy who in his Old Spice ads. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, Terry Crews. That's what people wanted. Oh, uh, it's a different guy, oh, right? I met the yeah. I met the he, Terry Spice, Crews. I think also did Old Spice ads, but and I would you know Terry seems to be getting in some a little it's, bit. No, of, it's Isaiah Mustafa. That's it, that's I don't it. know if Terry Crews also did them. Oh no, he did. Yeah, but Terry Crews seems to be getting in a little bit of Twitter hot water lately too. So otherwise, like two weeks yeah. ago, this would have been a good. <laughs> I would have pitched Terry Crews, but uh, <laughs> he's also a little older. That's what I do like about yes, Shaq is humongous, and we think of him as the world's uncle or grandpa at this point. But like he still is twenty five in this movie, and you can totally feel that. That's true. The other issue is like yeah, the Marvel cannibalization of hollywood is is like anybody i can think of is like well uh, they're already this superhero in this series or this movie or this whatever so i don't have because yeah, i think, that, I think maybe you. the the first like the first again one because i am a simpleton yeah. and two because i i just don't have enough knowledge sure. of the comic books to be able to make like a perfect fit yeah. my first instinct is michael b jordan but he's sure. already he's warmonger yeah in black panther yeah i, I have anyway, the answer i have it big e it? langston of wwe's the new day oh that's perfect yeah that's it <laughs> okay well, and that, movie, it. And that movie would also be wackier though even if it was yeah it, like the socially conscious one we're talking about it's still big e in there and he can he can walk yeah. that line pretty beautifully but anyway, yeah, so I think let's, let's have it expressly be, yeah, his shit's not only being bastardized in the sense that it hurts people, but it's being supplied to police officers. I think that's a police great Police officers and, and specifically to Judd Nelson, the corrupt cop. Yes. Which makes it, kind of wedges it into what they would talk about in 1997, unless we got Spike Lee to direct the movie. Sure. Which would require a lot of other changes. <laughs> yeah, who directed um, this one? Is it another completely anonymous person a, or is it somebody yes, who's surprisingly famous? it's a guy who famous? directed... No, it's a it's a guy who directed like a lot of TV. His name's Kenneth. Oh, Johnson. he's a superhero guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he directed he did a lot of Woman, Alien yeah. Nation stuff. He did yeah. a lot of episodes of Jag. Cool. Uh, he did like in the oh, so he's used to shooting that late seventies. He did the Incredible that Hulk, specific shade of green, the <laughs> the army, exactly. Right? Yeah, that's, uh... <laughs> that's it. I think I think now we're seeing, and then he also 
like there can be a part of the movie. I don't know exactly what the beginning, middle, and end look like, but that's sure. sort of a sort of like what I think the movie could talk about. I think there could also be him kind of having to deal with like the cops are the problem, but also there is still this issue of violence in his community. Sure. And so, uh, and I don't want that to be the focus of the movie, but it is course. like so I you think know an element that he has to navigate. The way to do that is through the Uncle Joe character, right? Of somebody who has seen that this narrative has been going on this way for so long, and right? Has, and has heard all, all the arguments for nonviolence and for violence. So this is his ways of being like. I, it's also the generational thing of like some people. I, I I can tell you this, but you have to witness it and experience it for yourself for you to truly believe it. But I'm here yeah. to help you along the way. And so I think it can kind of be maybe because Steel wants to be, you know, again, Superman is, he's a descendant of, he, want, he, he, he wishes to be still a poster boy for all things true, blue, good American. And it's almost mm-hmm. him being woken up to the idea that there is, like, it is a lie. And not that mm-hmm. being good isn't a lie, but this narrative of the cops protecting us, you know, that the weapons being supplied and drugs being supplied to his community is through a government. <laughs> You know, yeah. like that, that, uh, so him having just, just, I think the arc is just the same way any, uh, that we are being woken up in a lot of ways. Not, I don't want to speak for everybody, but it's just like, I can't speak to your Twitter timeline either, but you, there are definitely people in my life where I'm like, okay, I don't know what happened this time, but now something's finally getting through to them. Uh, yeah. so I think still a, J- a John Henry Irons can be, I want to be black Captain America turned yeah. to, oh, wait a minute. The my own is, thing needs to yeah. be my own thing and i need to help oh yeah okay yeah i see what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. great because i don't uh, he's not a villain i'm not trying he's like i need now to kill all of the good superheroes like that's not what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just realizing oh it's not as black and white as it seemed and i think that makes sense for somebody who's coming from a military background exactly it, yeah, it's a little bit of a born on the fourth of july if, type situation yeah let's yeah. talk sparks a little bit right now i don't so in the opening scene mm-hmm it's not really clear what John Henry does and what Sparks does. Later, she seems to be the brains of the operation and she's the brawn. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I didn't even think about that. Or it's but like, the whole like yeah, if they build the, the thing together, designer right. at the beginning, right? Okay. Uh, oh, here's another thing. Just real quick, just as a quick aside, one thing I've been thinking about a lot because I've been watching. I think we. I may have told this story on the last episode of this Let's podcast, but everything runs together in my brain. But. I've been watching a lot of older movies that I like just are, are holes in my pop culture knowledge. And oh, we talked about how I was going through the whole Hugh Grant canon last time. And yeah. one of those was Four Weddings and a Funeral. Mm-hmm. And he has a deaf brother in it. The mm-hmm. deaf brother is like a very apparent character who is involved in the plot and mm-hmm. is not is not there to tell a, a story about yeah. overcoming. It's not a gag. And also mm-hmm. it's not like a like a motivational like you can do anything. Oh, <laughs> he's it's just, just like yes, he's just basically a deaf reality. guy who yeah. is in the movie. Yeah. And then Sparks is in this movie. And there is like the incident at the beginning where the, the devastating incident of her getting mm-hmm. paralyzed does catalyze some events of the movie. But after she's in the wheelchair, she's just in a wheelchair basically yeah. for the movie and it's not totally addressed again yeah it, i mean it, it is it at is, the it end is more it is at the end but all of that is to say i like we kind of talked about this when you and i watched save the last dance a long time ago but okay. i feel weirdly like movies in the 90s that were less quote unquote woke did like a better job of representation and just explicitly absolutely. talking about social issues absolutely <laughs> um, uh, what did watching i watch all those old movies is like there's a lot of characters who are yeah. like they're all beautiful but yeah. they have like 
you know, various various otherness about them sure. that I don't see as much anymore. Absolutely. I forget. I, I've watched so much within the last time we recorded, but uh, I think yesterday we were watching something and it is, it is from the 90s and it is just shocking how the standard for, like, again, Steel happened 23 years ago uh, mm-hmm. and then Black Panther happens three years ago and we treat it like, finally. And then it's like, yeah. what followed Steel? Blade, another black superhero. But like, we didn't applaud it as in the same way as we do now, but like, it happened and it just wasn't a shocking thing. It didn't feel like we need to compartmentalize it in the same way that we do now. Yeah, it's it, like even just like on sitcoms in the 90s, they're just you can list so many black-led sitcoms. Not yeah. that that's the only group of people underserved by any means, but like uh, the amount then versus now, it's like we have blackish and then a bunch of stuff on premium cable stuff <laughs> that Yeah. It still counts, but it's not the same as every network having like two to three different ones, you know, like, uh, and uh, Um, the other thing I always talk about is what I do like is at the end with, with her and being in the wheelchair is they don't solve it. They come the way where they, like, she's able to stand. When she needs yeah, to stand, she, she but she can't walk. She a wheelchair that will lift her up, yeah. but she, yeah. It's not their, like, they're like, we invented bionic legs. Yeah, and now you don't have to be this anymore. It's like, no, she still is. Yeah. It's just she's she's using what she already has is able to make a certain thing work better for her with that. So I, I appreciate that. I do think her being in a wheelchair too. is just a narrative way for her not to be in the field. Which is which is fine, yeah. but, like, then let's give it a bigger purpose. And like, Of course. Truly, at the beginning, they're the same character. It's just one is a large black man and one is a tiny white woman and while that is a fun visual dichotomy i think they could also be different characters too like it could be fun if he were like she were a little bit of a hothead i think like a fun variation on like the brains of the operation Mm -hmm. like talking into your ear and like i'm pulling up a map of your location it could be like her egging him on to like do like Punch just guy. jump off it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Like, and like that. have him be like, chill out, Sparks. What are you doing? So, uh, another, sorry, side tangent, and another thing that kind of uh, is a shadow to the last side tangent we did about diversity is the 90s as it relates to properties and kind of the 80s as well. Beverly Hills Cop, Eddie Murphy, he doesn't get with the girl at the end because the woman is a, is a white actress and they weren't ready for that. <laughs> In Batman uh, 2, they were supposed to introduce Robin and he was going to be, a, I forget which Wayans, but a Wayans brother or maybe three the third one and then the studio changed their mind because the because of racism and he got paid to not be in the movie uh jesus billy d williams was supposed to be two-faced in that series and then they're like ah never mind we changed our mind so they just wrote him out of the second one and had chris walken come in as a completely new character to fill the role that was supposed to be two-faced this was you know less than 30 years ago so once it is nice to see male and female friendships in movies but when it is interracial that i can never erase is oh the only reason it's not is because they don't feel comfortable these two falling in love and that sucks Yes, which does suck, but it is also if they were two people of the same race and they were just friends, I would be so pumped. Exactly. So pumped. Exactly. That's, yeah. It, I think it is kind of uh, watching that, watching it a few days ago, I was just like, this is a no win situation for me, which again is not yeah. necessarily fair to the actual piece of art we're watching. Maybe it is right very just for the system that made the art and to say fuck you for not doing that but yeah i'm watching it i'm going either they're gonna kiss and i'm gonna dislike that or either they're not gonna or or they're not gonna kiss and i'm gonna dislike that because of the other politics that are around it so i can't it's 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 a stick again once again a sticky situation i'm looking i'm looking at the wikipedia page right now and i don't know i don't think sparks was a character in the comic books okay 
She may have been, and I'm just not seeing it here. Uh, but we'll even still, the that. distance between Steel being invented and Steel getting a movie is, I think, the shortest of any comic book character ever. I think so, because his first appearance was in The Adventures of Superman in 1993. Yeah, so four years difference and then I don't, of the I don't release even know of the got, movie. I don't even know when he got his own book. Right. But, okay, well, for for the sake of the yeah, who cares? rules of this podcast, we have to keep Sparks in the yeah. movie. I think I think maybe make her a little bit more of a firecracker and have him be kind of reasonable. And, and with the... In the same way that maybe at the beginning of the movie, he thinks he can, like, reason with the police exactly state. that's what i was gonna say in the two rivers that he's choosing to go down you have uncle joe who's like this is what's up and you have sparks who's still well-meaning and ultimately i guess on the right side but just has a certain way around it it's like oh her perspective is just different from ours yeah so yeah because if we are making this a movie about like how how black americans are impacted by police then having a white woman sidekick yeah. also has implications of her of not course. understanding. Yeah, and I think that's that can be used as a tool rather than a hindrance for a piece of art. Because I think a thing people who like movies but never feel the need to uh, think of them, at, like to make them or fix them on a podcast or whatever, is the object... I, I kind of went on this rant about spiritual wins last time, but like the sparks can be there to help function the winning of whatever the objective is of the liminal in the film, but the character can still get in the way from a movie making standpoint or vice versa so i think we can make her get in the way of certain philosophical arguments that are that may uh ultimately be part of the big rube goldberg machine that is solving whatever the movie's objective is but the character will still function the way that we the people rewriting the movie would want her yes okay so i have i have one other kind of like cosmetic fix to this movie. quite literally a cosmetic fix first of all maybe the coolest thing about steel and and about him being John Henry is that he gets a big hammer yeah. and he never uses it as nope. a hammer. Nope. It's a gun. Yep. And yeah, I sound gun. See it sound gun. Be a hammer. Yes, <laughs> I, want, I agree. I want him to use it as a hammer. Yes. It's okay if I think maybe an okay version of it is like version one of the steel costume when he and Sparks were just trying to figure it out. He has a hammer and then in in some kind of battle he gets defeated and all his equipment gets destroyed and then you know a few scenes later sparks is like hey i fixed your equipment and i gave it a few upgrades and then one of the upgrades is the hammer is also a gun yeah sure that's well, okay but i at some point we gotta see the hammer be a absolutely hammer. Uh, oh 100 because i think the coolest thing about steel is what steel looks like and the hammer's part of that yes this and, movie and does my not other master fix, that either yeah yeah my other cosmetic fix is like he just doesn't look that cool. Like, like I looked. He looks up, like, like Bible looks Man, like... <laughs> <laughs> right? He really does. He looks like fucking I Bible Man. There's the scene where he's like making his own armor and stuff, yeah. and there's the big reveal of him pulling his mask out of the fire. Yeah. And and both Jordan and I were watching it together. Yeah. We were both kind of like, "That's it, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's the." Well, to bog this down in defending context of 1997 again, we've all seen a million, even people who don't actively go see superhero movies have seen a million Mm -hmm. superhero origins before. At this point, we've pretty much seen Batman and Superman's origin, and those are different than Steel's. So while to us it feels like the most trite thing I've ever seen committed to film, <laughs> at the time it was It's not even the triteness of the act. Yeah. It's the fact that the mask sucks. Sure, it's sure. It's like not oh, cool to look yes, at. Yes, I was going to our previous point, though, where Spider-Man in 2002 was the first movie to have a process of the origin. Yeah. And Batman Begins then blows that up even further four years later, or three years later. Where Superman is just kind of like, he comes to Earth and then we cut to whatever and he's like, 
Batman, he's rich, so he can immediately get the thing in 1989 Batman. They just want. To, what I like yeah. about 1989 Batman is they kind of do skip the origin. They're just like, let's cut to the fun. Whereas Steel, this is the first time where it is kind of a drawing board. I think, yeah, yeah. they steamroll way past it way too soon for this fascinating of. Yeah. Like, Iron Man is about the suit, and so that movie takes time to do it. Captain America is about his muscles and that he got that through a serum so we can move past that. With Steel, it's like, yeah, it needs to be somewhere in between those two things where it's like, let's yeah. fall in love with this suit. The suit is the symbol of the change in the character. So let's see that. That's an excuse to have a montage. <laughs> to yeah. see each beat of character development. And yeah, if yeah. the hammer's only used in the good old failing days, that's fine. But you gotta have Steel hit somebody with a hammer. Yeah. So now we should probably talk what is the actual plot of this movie. Yeah. His weapons have been perverted and they're being given to both the gangs of his uh, community as well as yeah, I, think, I think basically you know I would change some of the fixins but the plot up to the point where Judd Nelson is kicked out of the army is fine like yeah. fine he makes the origin he makes weapons he wants to make weapons that don't kill people Judd Nelson screws it up gets dishonorably discharged and starts selling weapons this time he becomes a cop yeah. and becomes the connection between these dangerous weapons and the police state yes I think everything up to that point fine cool yeah I think it because even in 1997, this isn't, we're not over the superhero thing where we can just jump to, you know what, I'm going to be super, oh, oh, another topic I meant to bring up, by the way, I, it might be too much to introduce 45 minutes in, I'm sorry. You know Phoenix Jones? <laughs> Do you know Phoenix Jones? No. Real life superhero. He has since retired and is now an MMA fighter, <laughs> but he donned a mask that looked like Bible Man. <laughs> And he Great. stopped, or at least attempted to stop petty crimes. He is also an African-American man. So I, I guess my main thing is I, he only has the one objective in this movie. And I think that's okay, but I would like to see Steel fail more and more and more. What's up? Quick side note. Did you know that there is a movie called John Henry that either was, it came out in January of this year starring <laughs> no. Terry Crews and Ludacris. John Henry is a 2020 American dramatic thriller film starring Terry Crews and Ludacris. Inspired by the folklore of John Henry, the plot follows an ex-Los Angeles gang member who must help two immigrant children who are on the run well, from his former crime boss. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the film had a limited release and received negative reviews from critics. Well, there you have. But yeah, I, I think... Again, it's, it's, I'm not saying we shouldn't do this because of this sure. story. It's just like, oh, wow. No, no, no. But yeah, I think because this is the Neanderthal version of the superhero movie, yeah, I, I, I would like to see him deal with like petty crime, smaller things before he uncovers the big deal. I, I, if it's about community, I feel like that should be his focus before he uncovers there's a big issue whereas this movie feels like the only reason he becomes a superhero is because they stole my tech and it's like yeah. <laughs> that's not the most noble thing yeah they stole his tech and they're giving it to gang yes. members who are using yes it to kill but people. i like but the notion yes. uh and this is a bit of virtual virtue signaling here but i do prefer the notion of somebody wanting to do good to do good not because they want revenge or <laughs> it's it's not personal phoenix jones didn't become a real life superhero uh to stop his maybe he did i don't know but like he was stopped people from stealing grandma's purse you know like that yeah that's that i would like to see more of that before we get to to that so i think maybe we need to come up with something more in act one into act two that is a separate thing from judd nelson at least in the minds of our character we can have a third act reveal that he was behind it if we want uh, but that always makes so the world feel small if we do that Yes, I will. I'll throw some stuff out there. One yeah. could be that they are having an issue with, uh, I don't want to say gang violence. That seems like 
even in the context of South Central Los Angeles yeah. seems a little racist, yeah. but like, you know, just petty crime and violence around that, you know, maybe at the beginning, John Henry has faith that the system will take care of. Right. It also be like, there's a lot of ways racism manifests. So it could be a lack of infrastructure. We could do the cheesy thing of like, we're trying to build the community center, you know, yes. we're trying to fix Main Street or yes. whatever. And what is that um, building? What's what do you need to build that building? Steel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be like that could be part of because he comes back home. He comes back because that's where his home is. The other I think what they were trying to do in the movie in the same thread was his grandma's restaurant that was opening. Right. But I feel like that just evaporated at some point. Thread. (laughs) He comes home and he destroys her souffle because he's too loud. (laughs) And then there's like one other souffle scene. And then at the end, she has a restaurant. Yeah. And on some level. And again, this is coming from 2020 eyes. I am in love with the idea of like, oh, grandma goes untouched. Great. We didn't have Judd Nelson hold the gun up against his grandma's head or worse yet, kill her and then further need him to get revenge because that's. Yeah. We're done with that. So there's something nice with that. But I do feel like that can it can be a much smaller, still important enough crime that you would want to get your hands dirty to stop it, but smaller crime at the behest of, not the behest, but uh, towards his grandmother or another loved one or person he cares about. I mean, it could be, it could be like she has, she's literally tucking away her pennies. Like there she has go. like yeah. physical money in the house where she's trying to save up for this restaurant. Yeah. And then there's a home invasion. Yeah. And they take grandma's money. And that maybe that's the breaking point, too, where it's like, again, uh, John has been putting or, his faith in the system. It could, and... be, it could be like the like the real kind of racist things that happen where maybe she did everything right. She did everything by the book. She was starting a restaurant. And then, you know, a racist zoning commission is like, sorry, where we refuse to zone this spot for a restaurant or whatever sort of institutional racism mm. there is. So it's we're not talking about, you know, black on black crime or whatever. Sure. The only issue, I want that too, but the only issue with that with how I want to use it is that doesn't then make me go, well, I need to become a superhero now, damn it, and stop that. Like, sure. Because that's the central problem. We always talk about that with superheroes okay, at, at so large is it's that, always about punching people we, instead of talking to so people. You, so what you're looking for is specifically something that happens to the grandma that makes him become a superhero who ultimately goes on to fight the police on behalf of his community. Yeah. What if it's just a legal search and seizure? Bada bing. Yeah. Bada bing. So the, uh, the, and I don't want it to be fully, I think that's a good thing because that's still something debatable if you really want to believe in the system. Again, because yeah. Uncle Joe's like, well, of course they did that. Yeah. And he'll be like, yeah, but, and then maybe, yeah, uh, Sparks can be like, well, do the not realizing she's doing the victim blaming thing of, well, did this happen? It's like, you shouldn't even yeah. be asking that question. But I think it's for, again, for a 97 minute movie about superheroes, I think it is just like very simply act one, he believes in the system. By the end of act one, he's questioning. By the end of act two, he is fully like, great, I gotta be, I gotta hold up. I've got to be the steel I beams think, to think, my community. I to, think by the end of act one, he needs to be a version of steel yes i just mean in terms of uh he's doing that to stop people from petty theft by the end of it he's doing it to take down the system to create a new system again he's got to be the steel beams that hold up the community yeah right yeah great i think judd nelson's good in this movie i think he uh, weirdly didn't do enough i like the speech about how about it's about how it's not about money i think that was good and i think can largely say the same i think if you're a corrupt cop and you give that speech same diff yeah i like that this movie doesn't pull the thing where oh judd nelson i know he has all the weapons but he doesn't have a steel suit he gets into his own because that becomes a superhero trope that sucks and especially because part of the point is like the police are so militarized that he probably has like 
tactical body armor and stuff so he has a version of a steel suit sure. but it is oh but i like this even but it is better. not like a super suit yes but i like this notion even better because uh, a thing i meant to, i was trying to say earlier but we got off on something else is a thing we always talk about whether on the pod or not about superheroes is it still boils down to physical force fighting a person yeah. punching a person yeah except for there are certain cases where it's not but not enough in film i would like maybe if we at least attempt to have a scene at that uh, where he tries to talk and reason with people, if not John Nelson, but another important figure, and it doesn't work. I mean, I think maybe at some point Steel needs to go to the mayor's office, and I think maybe they they parade Steel. Oh, Eureka, sorry. They, I, I remembered they... what my point was. <laughs> I think, I don't know how much of this will be subtext or text in our version of the movie, but Steel's steel suit is literal, whereas the the not just John Nelson, but all of the cops is is yes they have kevlar or whatever but also the system itself is a steel suit to stop them from having to be right so i think that is needs to be sort of not the thesis but a big tenant of and maybe in literally a conversation had between shaquille o'neal and and judd nelson is it's like you know he finally gets him in a room together and judd assumes he's gonna hand him his ass (laughs) so he tries to talk him out of it to be like oh what okay i'm alone without a gun you got a big steel suit a big hammer big tough guy who cares and then Shaq can take off his helmet even take off the suit and be like and explain it to him that's like i need that to literally survive the circumstances in which you created you don't need a you don't need a suit you don't need to be a superhero to survive because of the things that have been built up to support you already and that you're misusing to then make me need to hide behind steel i think that could be a cool thing and of course he's still gonna get his ass kicked at some point maybe not by Shaq, maybe by a tertiary character maybe the grandma (laughs) kicks his ass the grandma comes out with a big frying pan and is like or the discarded hammer the discarded hammer right yes 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 Yes. and so that's either the grandma or his like nephew whatever character that was his like little brother or nephew whoever that character was who taught him Martin played by Ray J. Oh, was Ray J. I forgot. I but yeah, there you go. So do we keep the free throw moment or not? That's the question. I think we don't. I think we no longer make it the the literal and sure. emotional climax of the movie. I think it's maybe a gag at the beginning and then a gag at the end. Perfect. Oh, and it's also but... calling the Pixar stuff where it's like, it doesn't have to be the thing. In the, when I went on my rant about anti-meta bullshit in our, uh, the Dead Don't Die thing, my main theory about that stuff is it's fine. Just don't make it the only thing that is happening in that second. The shaft line doesn't work if you don't know Roundtree is shaft. It just sounds super. It's like a weird sex if joke I, all of a sudden. Yes. Okay. So I was watching the movie and I was like, I know that guy from somewhere. Yeah. I know who that is, but I couldn't figure it out. And so I looked it up and I was like, oh, he was shaft. But if yeah. I hadn't looked him up, I wouldn't have remembered. And I would have right. been like, what the fuck is this scene? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's because they put everything that hangs on that. And I know Shaq is one of those. If you're going to see Steel, you do know who Shaquille O'Neal is. And if you know who Shaquille O'Neal right. is, you know he does and throw free throws but again that comes back to my central argument of that's if you're watching in 1997 uncle drew i'm sure is filled to the brim with the references that went over my head and yet it still still works as a movie yes and it still manages to be the greatest movie of all time Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uncle drew it's 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 the best so i think that can be it can be in the movie without being a thing that hangs the the oh sorry I brought a Pixar to say if you watch any Toy Story movie it's always oh the, cool this thing that's inherent to the trait of this character led to a minor success that got foiled by a trait of another character that got saved by this thing that got foiled by this thing and then it's ultimately good yeah. I think the three throw thing can happen to open a gate. <laughs> 
or whatever it is in this yeah. movie to then lead to a bigger, better villain. And now we move yeah. on with the rest of our story. Right. Cool. Okay, great. So we are we are at the end now, I yeah. think, unless yeah. you have a nope. more to add. So let's do the quick bullet point version. So he's the same guy. He's in the military. He's a weapons designer. He wants to design less lethal weapons. Judd Nelson misuses one of his weapons and get discharged from the military, ends up going into policing and using deeply militarized weapons and tactics as a police officer. Meanwhile, Shaq goes yes. Yeah, meanwhile, Shaq goes back home. He goes back to South Central Los Angeles where he and I guess also Sparks are from. He reconnects with his family and he... His grandma's uh, restaurant you know, gets fucked over by the system. Yes. His, he's very excited for his grandmother's restaurant. One day, the police come in, do an illegal search and seizure. She Like, they take her money. They accuse her. They think that, like, you wouldn't have this much cash on hand unless you oh, were dealing sure, sure. drugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. They take her money and with it, the hopes of her restaurant. And that is that is when Shaq is like... Meanwhile, I, here we go. I'm adding this. Meanwhile, something, yeah, yeah, with, something with Martin that is more street level direct needs to be punched to be stopped is happening <laughs> more yes. conventional superhero and yes. those things start melding it's together a, this, is and, a, this is a new york policy but the la equivalent of stop and frisk yeah yes uh, and so the notion of someone needs to outside the system take being taken care of his people starts to brew in his head we get yes. their montages of you know building the suit we have to start over because our tech has been taken so that's why we start with oh, the hammer yes, yes, yes. yeah we see some trials with all that shit pretty much all the john nelson stays, stuff stays the same he eventually comes steel yeah from that point it's very very similar it's all more about a philosophical difference which is about corrupt cops as opposed to just criminals free for a moment great i think we got it right yeah i don't think in our version we did too much more with sparks we changed her motivation maybe or characterization i, I think we changed her motivation i think now she really is much more she's the simon Pegg in mission impossible character great she's she's more she's a little nerd she's a real weirdo she's like crawl through the air ducts and he's like i'm seven feet tall um <laughs> and did we you know. settle on they aren't getting together but in our version somehow we communicate to the audience it's not because of racism it's because we think a man and a woman could be friends without falling in love what if that is a what if what if that is just explicitly stated somehow we get them in a shot a two shot very far away standing on either side of the screen in central park in autumn and it's just them talking about they you know go to new york just yeah. for this shot yeah. and it's you know it's just yeah men and women can uh be friends yeah. and then we cut back you know the grandma well, shoves a hammer up yeah walking down the street next to each other and then a racist is like i don't like race mixing and then some well-meaning liberal is like love is love anybody can be in love with whoever they want and they're left to argue and sparks and steel are like let's get out of here yes i think that yep there we go that's good yeah Yep, that's how we do it. The grandma shoves a hammer up Judd Nelson's ass. <laughs> um, and then And then somehow and then somehow gets the money for her restaurant. Somehow is able to recover yes. the money for her restaurant. Yeah, it's a tough one. That is Cuz it would a tough be one. it would be nice to get it back from the cops, but that it's also undermining our message a little bit too i think maybe it's some sort of it could be some payout from the cops but that like part of what is happening in the country right now is like that doesn't happen something about you know inventing mind-blowing new tech but then that becomes like this whole thing about going public in terms of (laughs) that gets into a whole other systematic issue it could just be like now steel lends his you know persona to her restaurant like this becomes like steel's cafe or you know whatever all right and then um he invents uber but it's for superheroes <laughs> <laughs> right? why would 
a superhero need Uber? No, no, no. It's not Uber. Like, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, 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 no. I'm not saying. Oh, Uber. it's you are ordering yes. a superhero. Yes. It's not superheroes riding right. around in a car. Correct. Which is funny. That's, that's a Crackle original series. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying, again, they don't, there are cell phones in this movie, which I was surprised by. But they're not this would have been right around the yeah. time that they sort of entered popular consciousness. I think. But I think my mom got her first cell phone around I that time. I think maybe there are, you know, I'm no tech whiz, but there, there's some sort of personalized bat signal type thing that is accessible for the community to use. Oh, yeah, that's great. So it probably at this point in time wouldn't be wouldn't be cell phones but it could be i mean it could be like a literal like bat signal it could be some sort sure. of steel it could be like a like a particular frequency that a boombox plays it could i mean be... it could be even as simple as like banging steel together in a certain <laughs> rhythm and a certain, it's magical yeah. realism <laughs> and you can hear it anyway i don't know yeah. Also, at the time or of these movies, he's an inventor. Wait, what am I talking about? Exactly. He's an That's inventor. About he just say, yeah. distributes like the life alert button, but it's exactly. for people in South Central LA. And everybody's like, oh, "We're gonna pay him for that." And he's like, "No, it's a free thing for it's the for community. the good of the community." And but then they were like, "If we're you gonna want, pay. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah." But if you really want, if you really want to thank me, then you got to thank this woman because she. I don't know her. I'm. <laughs> no, I know that I there's think, only one other seven I, foot tall exactly, guy. Exactly. No, I think we <laughs> totally lose the concept of a secret identity. Uh, okay, uh, great. Like, but if you want to thank me, help fund my grandmother's yeah. restaurant. You won't regret it. It's delicious food. Great. Here's just a quick aside. If she wants to start a restaurant, but you can't make noise or you'll ruin her souffles, have you been to a restaurant? They're loud. How are you going to make a souffle in a loud restaurant? Well, again, her grandson is a tech whiz. Sure. He invents a new kind of souffle. No, a new type of steel. You've heard of stainless steel. <laughs> what about soundless steel? <laughs> Huh? I love it. Here's the thing about inventions. <laughs> I've oh, for years have been like, we got to start making these reverse microwaves, right? Things that yeah. can cool things up very quickly. And whenever I pitch uh -huh. that to somebody, they're like, oh, they're called the freezer. It's like, hey, stupid. Pitching a regular microwave, that person would have responded with, it's called the oven. It's like, yeah, yeah, this is a microwave oven. It does it faster, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should have that for freezing things. So I think any invention is laughed at. And some of them maybe it's deserved. I don't know. Soundless steel. Does people, do we really need clanging of pots and pans in this world? It's noise pollution. I agree with you. Okay. <laughs> if there are any inventors listening, get on it. Get on soundless. I mean, are pans even steel? I don't know. Some I, of them are. Okay. Some of them cool. are cast iron. And what's the difference? So steel is iron. Cast that has iron. Been uh, we got to get Shaq in here. <laughs> you said that I was about to get into a very boring explanation about the chemistry of steel. <laughs> no, I have just You're been like, watching so get... much battle rap that I've been thinking about how everything is a hominin if you really break it down. I was like, well, how sure. would I make it? I was like, well, first, do I do something about Jeremy Irons? Do I get to Iron Man? I went, wait a yeah, second, it's something... all right in front of us. If we're talking about steel yeah. already. Okay, great. We've done it. No, uh, super cast iron steel is what now? Steel is iron mixed with carbon. Mm. And that's good or bad? It's good, hmm. but you'd have to ask a chemist why. I think it makes it hard. <laughs> I think it makes it harder. Okay. But I don't really know. Okay. Anyway, so the budget for this movie oh, is sure. sixteen million dollars. That's okay. looking at it right now. Oh, you know, we've really taken out my Google assistant as a as a character on this show. Let's bring her back. Oh, okay, so I also have a new segment after dollars. this, oh, by yeah. the way. 
Okay, great, this. wonderful. After this. Uh, yeah. Okay, Google. What was the box office for the movie Steel? Steel's box office is $1,700,000. Woof. Yeah. <laughs> so Woof. they lost about... They did. They they pulled in a little over one percent. Oh my god! Oh, excuse me, ten percent. Little over ten percent of their budget. Uh, yeah, they spent sixteen million. They no, made, under. You said sixteen, and they made one. That's one sixteenth, not one tenth. Uh, so they made they made one point seven million. So a little oh. over. Oh okay. A little over one tenth. Uh, okay. Regardless, a very small amount of money. I think with our fixes now. Here's the thing: we're also in nineteen ninety seven. Audiences <laughs> are also. <laughs> Okay. I love it when in our fantasy you choose to make us fail. That's great. I love it. <laughs> I look, it's a fantasy. We're still trying to be realistic. I think it's a much better movie. Let's see what was the base jam box office. Oh, I mean that's there's also invisible numbers with that too, because it's it's like we're not invisible numbers, but just like market uh like uh what's the word? Merchandising. Like that oh, movie sure. as a franchise brought in so much more than its well, box office. The, the box office of Space Jam is $230 million. So clearly there is demand for basketball <laughs> player movies, but there's no Looney Tunes in this one. Yes. The existing property and is not the thing, as well this known. Is PG-13, and it's right? It's and it's PG-13, right. Instead you of know, a G. America may not may not have embraced a black superhero as much at this time, but yeah. I'm still going to say it turns a profit. Great. I'm going to say the budget was $16 million, and I'm going to say that we make $25 million Hell on yeah. this. Hell yeah. Probably um, not enough to get a sequel, but it's no longer a, an embarrassment. Right. There was also, again, going back to the context of this time, there was not as much pressure to serialize this shit. It was like, oh, it was a one-off, True. non-canon. They did they did sort of leave it open for a sequel, though, if sure. I remember. But it's still, like, they made the references to Superman and Batman, but it wasn't like we need to build this interconne- interconnected whatever. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so my new segment I think we should do in every episode is I know as our whole show is about fixing these movies, but those movies don't exist, right? We had fun talking on this podcast, but this movie doesn't exist. So I think we should pitch good movies that fall within some element of this movie that does exist. And I'm going to pitch two okay. because I didn't give you a heads up for this. So I'm not sure if you're prepared. But I think from now Sounds on, we good. should each try to bring one. So my two okay. pitches <clears throat> that I think are good movies that deal with similar things. Uh, one is called Slight, like sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, it is a, a movie about a young African-American street magician who slowly but surely through his ingenuity kind of becomes a superhero. Okay. The other one is The People Under the Stairs, which is a Wes Craven horror comedy movie that is about, okay. it's pretty much about cash to cancel rent. It's, it's about evil landlords, uh, slumlords, really, uh, and the fucked up things that, it, it, again, it's a big scary monster movie type thing. It's ridiculous, but uh-huh. it's about how we, are all tra- we might as well all be trapped in these people's basements. Uh, because they still have us under their thumbs. So those are my two pitches. They're not pitches, my recommendations. Instead of steal, watch those movies. Okay, sounds good. And uh, in order for me to fulfill my duties of this segment, I quickly Googled most popular arms dealers movies. Okay. And one of the first ones that came up was The Stupids, starring Tom <laughs> Arnold. So that's my contribution to this segment. Great. But again, I didn't give you a heads up. That's why I did two this time. Next time I'll do one, you do one. Sure. I will do a serious one next yeah. time. All right. Um, do we know what okay. next time is yet? Oh, no. Oh, that's another new set. We have a lot of ending segments on the show yeah, now. we're having uh, fun. So we just did two sort of action movies. I think uh-huh. now we need... This might be a time for another CGI animals movie. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to pitch uh, Furry Vengeance. Furry Vengeance looks good. <laughs> that's why I pitched it. 
Okay. Furry We're going to do Furry Vengeance. Can I say this one yeah. thing about Furry Vengeance before uh, we sign off? Yes. Brendan Fraser was on Conan O'Brien, I think, pitching it or talking about it. And one of the things that he said about it was because of the, like Conan's into it was like, look at the cast. You got Ken Strong, you got this guy, this guy. And Brandon Fraser's like, oh, yeah, and we just we did a lot of improvising. And let me just say this, uh, the stuff that's not going to make it in the movie, you can make a hangover movie about. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's just a beautiful okay. little time capsule for uh, when Furry Vengeance was a thing released in movie theaters. 2010. Yeah. The poster for Furry Vengeance is so funny. I think you're going to love this movie. <laughs> I'm excited to talk with you about it. All right. I, well, I fear you've you've seen it, so I know that I you... Haven't. I haven't. You haven't. I fear I'm this not. might fall this might fall under the tuxedo rule. But I think we I think the tuxedo rule needs to apply to more uh Jackie Chan Jackie specifically. Chan <laughs> <laughs> I think we got to stop limiting ourselves and we got to we got to fulfill our damn promises. And we're going to fulfill okay. the promise of covering Furry Vengeance next week on our podcast. I've been Nicole. And I've been Fesh. And this has been Real, Real Big, Big Fix. Fix. Bye. Bye.